Issa, Deacon, Deacon, Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. Who is Jesus? The uh, Christology. And I've been using the Ligonier's statement of Christology and um, a word made flesh is what it's called. And I want to read it to you because this is important. There's a lot of crazy ideas about who Jesus is out there. And the war is against Jesus. Okay? It's all the battle against Jesus. And so what people want to change who he is... You have, whether they're well-meaning or not, if you ever heard of oneness Pentecostalism, they believe that in, some, in a heresy called modalism, um, there's all the old heresies from the first century are still on our TVs today. And they like to make up these things about Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, a minister got up, a famous minister, and said God broke the law to, because he loved us so much. Of course, which is... Well-meaning heresy, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, well-meaning, but it's absolutely biblically wrong what the man said, and he's a preacher. All right, So we want to make sure that we have a nice, succinct understanding of who Jesus is so that we can hear and understand um, when someone's telling us something that's untrue. And that's the nice thing about these. So I'm going to read this to you. And then we're almost done it, believe it or not. I'm actually at this part of the statement, and so, which has all been exciting to talk about. So let me read this to you. And it's on your bulletins as well. We confess the mystery and wonder of God made flesh and rejoice in our great salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Son created all things sustains all things and makes all things new. Truly God, he became truly man. Two natures in one person. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived among us, crucified, dead, and buried. He rose on the third day, ascended to heaven, and will come again in glory and judgment. For us... He kept the law, atoned for sin, and satisfied God's wrath. He took our filthy rags and gave us his righteous robe. He is our prophet, priest, and king, building his church, interceding for us, and reigning over all things. Jesus Christ is Lord. We praise his holy name forever. Amen. That's a great statement. And uh, what we're going to be highlighting now is his, he's a prophet, a priest, and a king. So on your bulletins, you could literally circle that part. He's our prophet, priest, and king. And I'm going to give you Bible verses. And, um, you know, just doing the study, I, th- I only selected a few Bible verses. So I'll be sensitive to you all if it starts becoming information overload. And I'll just... Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, and at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created 
the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of by the word of his power and making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. <clears throat> Whoa, right? That's a lot of theology. That's a lot. I was going to say, I just want to highlight the prophet part, but that's the everything, everything, right? Um, first, he's, uh, he says in the past, God spoke to us through the prophets, but in, the last day, in these last days, he spoke to us through his son. Jesus played the role of a, par- of a prophet, not just a prophet, <clears throat> the prophet. And the topic of his prophecies was himself. All right, so he's not only the giver, but he's the topic as well. All right, but he was the final prophet. Now, just think for a moment Jesus is the final prophet, the last prophet. He's the last king, and he's the last priest. If Jesus is the last prophet, think of all the religions in our own backyard that claim to have a prophet since Jesus. Can you think of any? Nope. <laughs> no, I'll give you one. Um, Islam. Oh. 600 years later, Muhammad comes on the scene and says he's a prophet of God. 600 years after Jesus. Yeah, well, he never claimed to be a prophet. Do we know any present day, as in in America in the 17 or 1800s, they have a big place in Utah? Gee, you're Mormons? You're Mormons. Who was their prophet? Joseph Smith, right? Not only did, did, the, did the angel say Joseph Smith is a prophet, they said he's a priest in the order of Melchizedek, which is like absolute blasphemy of blasphemies. Totally horrible, totally evil. Okay? How many of you have come from a charismatic or you're familiar with charismatic backgrounds and someone has the gift of prophecy, right? And then they come in. I can sense in this room that this week some of you will have blessings and some of you will have trouble. Wow. Huh? Pretty good, huh? Did you get that? Did you take notes? Okay? Jesus is the last prophet. Jesus is the last prophet. Let that sink in. He's not only the last prophet, he's the prophet of prophets. Alright? Let that sink in. Also, he's the last king. He's not only the king, um, he's appointed heir over all things through whom he also created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Oops! You know, you all remember Prince? Purple Rain Prince? He passed away a couple weeks ago. He was a stout Jehovah's Witness, apparently. Yeah, right? And now, if you read too many of the liberal Christian magazines out there, um, what do they say about, you know, they're, they're saying that he was a devout Christian. Well, no, it was a Jehovah's Witness. Do you know what a Jehovah's Witness doesn't believe in? Hebrews 1.3. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. Jesus is God. Jehovah's don't believe that. They don't even believe the Holy Spirit's God. 
They don't. So here you go. Here's, this is why it's so important to know what the Scripture says about Jesus. It just devastates the cults and all the false religions. It's, just, it's like the Red Sea, just tied, just blowing it all aside. Such nonsense. And after making purification for sins, how many of you made purifications for your sins? You did some penance, uh, you went to the priest, he gave you absolution, and now you just go do a couple hokey pokies and you'll be good. Right? How many of you got a couple of those this week? You purified yourself from sin. Right? Does the Bible say you purified yourself from sin? What does the Bible say? After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Who is sitting next to God the Father right now, alive? Jesus. Jesus is. Why is that? Because he's the King of King and Lord of Lords. Okay? There is so much. There's your, there's your sermon. That's one Bible verse. Let's look at a few more. Jesus acting as prophet. John twelve forty nine and 50. Jesus says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandments, the commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. There you go. Here's Jesus saying, hey, just to make sure you know where the authority is coming from. It's coming from God. And His commandment is eternal life. So you better pay attention because I'm only telling you things that God's telling me to tell you. Now, what's interesting about that, I've been reading through Ezekiel, and um, just about every chapter begins with, the, the a prophet's job in the Old Testament was was popular, but not necessarily something you wanted to set yourself to be as a prophet in the Old Testament, because he would have to go tell people, "Hey, you're a bunch of sinners. You better repent, and you better start living for God." And so, you know, when you go tell the president that, because he'd go tell the king that, right? The king would say, "I'm going to put you in jail, and you're lucky I don't kill you today." Okay, that's what the kings would respond to the prophets of God. So when God would go to you in the middle of the desert and say, I'm going to make you my prophet, you go tell those people what I want you to tell them. We all turn into Jonas, right? Nah. Right? So, Ezekiel, look at this. Look at the weight God put on Ezekiel. All right? It says, So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman over the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if I warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul." So God's telling Ezekiel, a prophet, you better tell them what I'm telling you to do or I'm going to hold you accountable. Uh, how many of us get squeamish when we want to tell our workers about Jesus, have a conversation, right? Imagine if God was giving you direct words and says, you better tell them because that person's about ready to die in their sins. You better tell them, else you'll be guilty. That's what he's telling Ezekiel. How's that for a heavy dose of uh, yikes? <laughs> so Jesus is <clears throat> somewhere in here. It's about his prophet, him being a prophet. But this is some beefy stuff. 
Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. I can almost just see Jesus right there, the scriptures, right? And he just lines up the cults like on those little um, driving ranges. And he's just taking them out. Because there goes just that image alone, just that statement alone. He is the image of the invisible God. How many cults just went right out the door, right? The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now pause right there. Can you imagine? That's pretty beefy. All your friends who go... I believe Jesus existed, but he was just a nice guy who wore sandals. He was just a nice guy who wore sandals and created the heavens, the earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. For him. him. Through him and for him. He's a little bit more than a nice guy. Right? That's a lot. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So Jesus could say, hmm, I'm holding the universe together. Nah. That's right. <laughs> it's all gone. That's it. Just like that. Isn't that crazy? He's holding it. Do we know He's holding it together? Do we, do we have empirical scientific evidence He's holding it together? Let's test one. Here we go. Which way did I go? Because of the law of what? The law, the law of gravity, the law, that pesky law that I I choose not to believe in that law anymore. It's not working, right? The laws, it's empirically measured. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That is so amazing. Let's just keep going. Okay, Jesus is the priest. So we talked about him being a prophet. Now we're going to just look at a few of him being the priest. Now, this is important. If you remember back in the Old Testament, Abraham went to rescue, believe it or not, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He went to rescue them because his family, a son-in-law, cousin-in-law, not a son-in-law, nephew, I think it's a nephew, was kidnapped by another king. So he got his troops and he goes and he kills all the bad guys, rescues the king of Sodom. Right, Gomorrah, and was bringing them back. And then this dude out of where Jerusalem was, called the king of Mal, his name is Melchizedek, he comes out to Abraham, and Abraham gives him a tenth of everything. Right? Because Melchizedek was a king priest. Alright? So you'll see this all in Hebrews. And if you go back into my podcast a couple of years, you'll see there's a whole sermon on that. But Hebrews 2.17 Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God to make propitiation for the sins of of the people. Last week we talked about what propitiation meant, but here he is. Jesus became like us without sin so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. All right? 
Jesus is the only high priest. He's the last high priest. Hebrews 7, 24 and 20 through 26, this is where... Uh, I'll just read it to you. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. It was talking about Levitical priests of the, of the Jewish religion. They have to go in every year to make sacrifices for the people. First they have to make sacrifices for themselves. Then they make sacrifices for, other, for the people. But Jesus made that sacrifice on the cross and now he's in heaven. He holds his priesthood permanently. So, when the Mormons come knocking at your door, Joseph Smith is a prophet and a priest. Uh, sorry, go read your Bible again because Jesus is holding his priesthood permanently and there ain't no more room. Right? Because he continues forever. By the way, Jesus lives forever because he's eternal. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Is Jesus more than just a man to you? Exalted above the heavens? Envision this. There's God the Father and His righteous throne. And when we look at that righteous throne, we see the Ten Commandments that we can't do. We can't do it. We can't pass it. But there's Jesus also in the throne saying, He's with me. You're with me. Father, they're all with me. I paid for all your sins. It's all gone. My righteousness is you're getting credit to because of the stuff I did, Father. They're with me. That's what Jesus is doing. That's why he's a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He's the last priest. No one can fulfill his shoes because he's God. Unlimited. Isn't that pretty good? That God is intercessing for you before God in the Holy Trinity? That's that's the happy place to be. Now let's talk about him being king. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he shall be called, The Lord is our righteousness. Okay? Because remember, where does our righteousness come from? Does it come with your good intentions? No, it comes from Jesus. The Lord is our righteousness and our King. So He's our prophet, our priest, our King. Revelations 19.16 On His robe and on His thigh He has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is a good time to mention anyone paying attention to politics lately? You all excited about the presidential race? Yes. Yeah, so. Woohoo! Right? But don't worry, Jesus is king of all presidents. Right? And all the presidents will bow down and worship Jesus at some time or another. I just love that thought. Our congressmen. All those people who think they're smarter than God. 
Luke 1, 32 and 33, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. All right, lots of good stuff about Jesus as King. Here's a big one. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Isn't there a lot of ways to God? Isn't there so many ways we can go to heaven? Right? As long as you're sincere and believe it, isn't that how you get to heaven? Just be sincere, try your best, and you'll go? Not according to the Bible. That's why people don't like the Bible. That's what, I mean, they want to make an excuse, well, the Bible's nice, but you really can't trust it. So go ahead and make up your own religion from TV. Because surely TV is more accurate than God. Right? And this here, the sarcasm in that. But the battle is against the Word of God, just like what the devil said to Eve. Did God really say? Right? Did God really say, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which man which we must be saved? Alright? Did God really say that? Alright? We need to decide that. You need to know for sure if God really said that. In Daniel chapter 7, Jesus' everlasting kingdom. And to him, Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Can anyone stop the kingdom of God? Can anyone stop the kingdom of Jesus? No. Nope. You know what I love about um, the the church, the body of Christ, the you people, us people, right? And even in the other little churches around here, there's pockets of real believers. Real believers. And then there's the people who like religion who are going to be there on Sunday for whatever reason. But when I when people ask me, Jeff, how come there's so many different denominations out there? It's like it doesn't matter because those who love Jesus is the real church. And there's no boundaries to that. All right? There are people in other churches where a lot of our doctrine isn't going to agree, but Jesus still saved them. And that sanctification process of growing up is bringing them in. They're still trusting in Christ as Lord and Savior. Whether they're confused in some of the other areas, it doesn't matter. Right? And that's what joins the true church. And that's why you can't stop the kingdom of Jesus. Because it's not held by human institution. Romans 14, 10 uh, through 12 says this. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is, a, this is a warning. For the lost, their sin is going to be accounted for. For the Christian, we know our sin will not be accounted for. It's forgiven and it's forgotten. Okay, But how we live in response to salvation will be measured. 
All right? Not of whether or not we're going to heaven or not. That's done. You're going to heaven if you trust Christ. This is given an account of what it's going to be like establishing our everlasting life. All right? This is a different measurement. It is not a salvation measurement. Isaiah, they pull it from Isaiah 45, 23. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return to every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. That's where uh, Paul was getting that from Romans. Now Philippians, there's, a, there's been a slight changing to this. And look at this, Philippians uh, chapter 2, 9 through 11. This is one you're familiar with. Therefore God has highly exalted him, that would be Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everybody is going to bow to Jesus. Whether their legs are broken or whether they're broken-hearted, they're going to bow to Jesus. And what I think is scary is like, if you, if you want some fun stuff, go watch the, the Facebook post of Pagan Jim, who just, he's a, he's a friend of the families from there, and he's just so lost, right? And he's always looking for ways to insult God. And one day he'll bow before him in terror, and in hatred, and when God sends him to his eternal punishment, and 10,000 years scoops him up and says, would you repent now that you've been in hell for 10,000 years? He would say no. An unrepented sinner is going to stay unrepentant, even in hell, even in punishment, because now they'll be blaming God, and their anger and hatred in him will fester for eternity with that individual. Not a happy place. Okay, I thought this was a nice picture. How big is your God? I like that. Um, To me, this is religion, and this is living for Jesus. Okay, religion, you box it in, it's nice and tidy, and God doesn't bug you. There is, I don't know the veracity of the story, but this week, um, in Israel, a man took God to court and tried to get a court order, a restraining order against God, for bugging him, for trying to give him a hard time. So you'll have to Google that. Apparently they said God didn't show up. I think God was there because God's oh, omnipotent. Right. Isn't that interesting? That's unbelievable. So we, we end with this. We're done. Um, do you know his orders? And are you pushing forward to obey his orders? You see, is Jesus your king? Is Jesus your leader? As men, you know, and you got the Civil War reenactment thing and stuff. I mean, you know there's a hierarchy, a command, and you take your orders. Do we take our orders from Jesus? Is he just... I want to make sure we don't have a Jesus that we turn to when we want a good, mushy, warm feeling. It's like, oh, Jesus says, go hug somebody. And isn't that nice? I'm going to think about hugging somebody. Right? Now that... Right? Just... Or do we read the scriptures and God says these are commandments. 
do them, right? Have fellowship with other Christians. Pray for people. Who can you go share good news with, right? So these are commands to be obeyed, marching orders for the day. Yeah, but Lord, I've got to make money for the family. I've got to provide. I've got A, B, and C to do. Yes. And you have to do this too. What? So how can we make that part of our day, obeying God's commands? Jesus said to the religious leaders in 842, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. This is Jesus battling out with the religious leaders. You say you know the Old Testament, you say you know the Bible. If you knew God, you would know me, Jesus says, and you would love me. Right? And of course, I'm just going to highlight the first verse, John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yeah, that's the big point of that. Now, Dave was mentioning just a few weeks ago when he was here about Jesus' yoke. I always visioned the yoke as a one-person thing. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, I'm still thinking, I don't want a yoke. It's like, ugh, right? But the yokes for these things is a two-oxen thing. And if God's telling us to put on a yoke, who's on the other side? He is. He is. Jesus is. Of course the yoke is, is easy and the burden is light. Jesus is carrying it. I just get to come along. Okay. <laughs> Let him do all the pulling. Right? That's great. And that's what it means. That's, I, ne- I hadn't grasped that. So Mark eleven twenty eight through 30 Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, we have a lot of stresses in this world, right? A lot of anxiety, a lot of things that carry that burden us. But if we try to practice getting back into the yoke of following Jesus, we'll find refreshment even in the battles. We'll find joy and breaks and rest even in the fights. Not to mention, it was David who says, Your gentleness... Has made me great. David had said that. And gentleness. Did David have? Did David have a gentle life? Right. No. But it was God's gentleness, that grace. So let's stand and worship one last time. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakingdeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Speakingdeacon.com. Truth is here.